Hello folks, here's our first Youscape podcast and this week we are telling ghost stories. So sit tight and enjoy. Okay, so this is a story of uh, of a place near St. Johnson, actually, called Stumpy Spray. Have you ever heard of it? No. What? Yeah, uh, this is the story. I swear to God, it haunted me for I don't know how long. That after the first time I heard it, I just thought, no, I can't. I can't be doing with this. Like, um, <clears throat> okay, so Stumpy Spray. So once upon a time. It sounds like a bloody strange way to start a ghost story, but um, there was a man and he was out late. He came to a house. He was actually a peddler. And he came to a house uh, on a bray outside St. Johnson, between St. Johnson and Lufford, actually, in Donegal. Um, he knocked on the door and he said he was looking for lodgings for the night because that's what people used to do back then. They wouldn't, like, there was no hotels or anything. And if they were out selling stuff, they would just have to stay you know, wherever they could find somewhere. So they took him in and then after they gave him something to eat and he, they realized that he carried on his back this big sort of uh, peddler's sack and he'd been out selling all day, so he had plenty of money in it. Um, but he didn't realize this, but the couple that he went to, um, the, whose house that he knocked on, were quite poor, so they didn't have a lot of money and they were in a lot of debt so they had they had to get money so they told him to go off up to bed and then they were sitting down in the kitchen and the husband said to the wife did you see the bag the bag that he was carrying i bet you it's full of money and the wife says look we'll we'll try and take the money when he's sleeping and we'll just turn him out in the morning so they waited until he was asleep um and then they snuck snuck into his room and they opened up the bag and the bag was full of money loads and loads of money in it and they decided that he would miss that much money so instead of letting him go in the morning they decided that it would be better if they killed him um so they thought that it would be easier to do it when he was sleeping as well so um so we'll go on we'll get the bag and we'll uh we'll hit him over the head with something so they went under the room and they hit him over the head and they killed him. And then they thought, oh God, what are we going to do with the body? So he had like a peddler's sack that he carried with him. And they thought, we'll put him under the sack and then we'll be able to carry him out and, and bury him. So when they tried to put him under the sack, they realized that he was too big. He was too tall to go under the sack. This is horrible, actually. The more I, I'm wondering why my parents told me this story when I was a kid. Like... 
um, it was too big to put him under the sack. So they had, they decided then between them that, is Molly still there, Jason? <laughs> they decided then between them that they would, oh, is she? <laughs> Maybe turn it off. Um, that they would cut off his legs and his arms to make it easier to get him under the sack. We never heard this, Stephen. I'm surprised no. you never heard this. The driver told me that's coming back from Dublin at the time. I was the last person on the bus from the last, whatever the last stop was at the time when I was about 14. Oh my um, God. Ter <laughs> it's terrifying. Like, um, So they cut off his legs and they cut off his arms. Um, and then they basically dug a hole and they buried him. And just as they were putting the last bit of dirt or just as they were throwing the dirt down on top of the sack, um, the the body sat up in the grave, and the the two of them heard the voice saying, "I'll hunt you near and I'll hunt you far to the nineteenth generation." Haunt you like not haunt you, haunt you. Um, and then the man hit him over the head again because they thought he was still alive, and the the body fell back and they buried him up. Um, so they cut his legs off at the knees and they cut his arms off at the elbows. Um, so the following night, they, they went back to the house that night. All the money was there. They were delighted with themselves. They thought, this is amazing. Nobody will know that this man came here. Nobody saw him coming. Nobody saw him going. We have all this money now. We can get on with our lives. And, you know, he's he's dead. Nobody's none of the wiser. Um, so the next night they were sitting and it was nine o'clock at night and they heard a noise outside. No, there's nobody around this area for miles and miles. It was a very peculiar noise, a very strange noise. Um, and they were afraid. So the noise was kind of like a noise. Um, and your man looked out the window of the house and he saw the body of the man that they killed the night before coming walking up the the sort of wee laneway up to the house so they stayed in the house and they were both terrified and the reason for the noise was it was the stumps of his of his legs that made that noise as he was coming up um so it scared the life out of them and this continued every night at nine o'clock the same thing happened um and then they thought we can't stay here any longer i mean they, they couldn't get on with their lives they were absolutely terrified every single night um and they thought no we've got to get out of here so because they had all the money they thought well why don't we go to america um and they went to america or they they booked the passage to america and that night whenever they were on the ship and the 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 um, ship just pulled out from from the harbour, and they were in their cabins, and it was nine o'clock, and outside on the deck of the ship, all they could hear was the. And your man looked out the cabin window, and there was Stumpy standing outside the ship, and he said, "I'll haunt you near, and I'll haunt you far to the nineteenth generation." Um and. Ever since the place where he was killed is called Stumpy's Bray, and it's very, very close to St. Johnson. And apparently, it was a vicar's wife that wrote that story first, and she swears that it was a true story. Oh, God. 
Can you, what, what else? What happened? Did, with, did they disappear off the boat or something, Jason? <clears throat> I'm not sure, Yvonne. It's a long time now since, since the man told me. I remember going out cycling my bike and I thought Stumpy was behind me. <laughs> I think the bus driver just got annoyed. It was just me and him on the bus and the sign said very clearly, do not distract the driver. Now it's a busy 14 year old that couldn't set a piece but now in his head happened to him. So he just told me that. He just told the ghost story and then he sat in silence then. <laughs> um, um, so that's the story of Stumpy's Bray. Um, my father tells that story better than anybody that you'll ever meet. There's actually a big poem as well about it. <clears throat> Somebody wrote a poem about it too. I think it was that vicar's wife too. Um, and uh, it's, it's scary as well, the poem. This poem is actually more eerie than the story because it's all sort of rhyming. <clears throat> so um, over to you, Kira. What's your one? Um, I've got two. They're short, but not, yeah. So don't take long. But um, these are both true stories. They're not that scary, but in my eyes, I think they're scary because they're true story and it happened to my dad and my granddad. But um, I'll tell you the one about my dad first. So my dad was younger and he used to come up to Donegal for his holidays. And he used to stay in my Uncle Josie's house. My Uncle Josie's house is just like at the side of a mountain. And there's only a few houses around him, but there was like this place you could go up right behind his house. It was like up in a mountain and there was a few walls. It was like a little war zone place. He used to play fake guns and all over there. And I'd say my dad was probably about the twins age at the time, so like 12. And he went up there with his, I think it was three cousins, Steve, uh, Steve, Neil and someone else. So they all went up and they were playing and they heard a wall fall. And they looked over and they thought they could see a banshee floating. And, uh, you know, it says that when you see a banshee, someone out of your family is going to get sick or die. So my dad, they all ran down to me Uncle Josie's house. They were terrified. And my dad was staying there anyways. So um, my dad said to me that the whole time he was down to me Uncle Josie's, that night he saw the banshee. He went down, slept. He didn't sleep, actually. He went into his room with the light on the curtains open under the covers because he was terrified and uh, he said it was about four o'clock in the morning all he could hear was knocks on his window and he was like oh god no and he got terrified didn't want to open it until he heard because it was he was cousin Steve because oh. me dad, my dad's granddad threw me uncle Steve out of the house because he wasn't well and um he just automatically just felt sick that night so my granddad me Great granddad threw me Uncle Steve out of the house, and ever since he uh, saw the banshee, uh, ever since then, my great granddad just kept on getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and then he died. Oh my god! Yeah. Do you have any banshee stories, Stephen? No. No. No, not really. I don't have a, another banshee one, but there's a pub around by where I used to live and it's like right at the seaside. It's called the Heights and it's like right up really, really high. It's not open anymore, it's abandoned, but um, when my granddad was younger, he was around 17. He, all of his mates were going over to the pub to have a drink or something. And uh, he forgot his money. So he had, he just had coins. So he held all the coins in his hands. He ran down to the house because he forgot them. So he came back with the coins in his hand and he did not let go of the coins. He had his hands scrunched up the whole time. And um, he forgot his smokes. 
No, he did. No, he had his smokes, but he forgot his lighter. So he was walking down to the heights and he saw this man. There was like this abandoned building beside my uncle's house. It's not there anymore though, but there was this man standing there having a smoke. So my granddad went over to him uh, and asked him, does he have a lighter? And just as my granddad walked over, the man disappeared and the smoke fell. So my granddad legged it. And once he uh, reached the uh, heights, the pub, all of his money was gone and he never opened his fist. Oh my God. True story though. That's all I have. I don't want to have that much scary stories. I was, uh, when I was about, um, I was about maybe nine or ten, uh, my friend was staying uh, in my house for a sleepover. Now that in itself is kind of strange. I don't even know if this really happened, but I made a bit of dream. Um, but my friend was staying in the house for a sleepover and she lived up the road from me. And um, the both of us woke up, it was like ten past two in the morning. I remember looking at the clock and she was really thirsty she said i really need something to drink i'm really thirsty so i said oh, i'll go and get a drink so i went up to the kitchen we live in like a, a bungalow and i went up to the kitchen and uh it was way like before nobody had like dilute or fizzy drinks or anything in the house it was just water or milk <laughs> do you know what i mean because we didn't like have anything fancy and uh, I says, do you want water and milk? And she says, I'll, I'll, I'll have a, a glass of milk. So I went up to the fridge and got the glass of milk. And in the kitchen in my mother's house, look, it sort of looks out the, the back of the house. And you can see my father's mother's house up on the hill. And um, I, there was nobody living in it. My grandmother had died about six months before that and the house was empty there was nobody in the house there was no electricity in the house and then and there was nobody in the house it's like in the middle of the country like not around for miles so there was definitely nobody in the house and i went over to the fridge i poured the milk and i came back and i noticed a light up in the house on the hill so i stopped and i was looking up and the, the it's like an old type house so like the door was in the middle and then there were two windows here two windows above and then a window in the middle which was the hallway of the house so I looked up and the light was coming from the hallway of the house, like the window in the middle. So I looked up and <clears throat> the, as I could see, there was a light clear as day. And uh, then I looked a bit closer and I could see this figure standing in the window, just looking down. And like, I don't believe in ghosts, but <laughs> the figure was definitely my grandmother looking down, looking out the window and i went back down i didn't feel scared it wasn't scary it wasn't eerie it didn't feel, make me feel uneasy it was kind of peaceful and i went back down to mm -hmm. the room and i gave uh, my friend shauna the drink and she took a sip of the milk and she said oh my god yvonne that's sour the milk sour and the milk wasn't sour it was in the fridge like the milk that was in the fridge was grand and it was the same uh, milk that I poured out. And apparently that's true. If you see a ghost, then it can turn fresh milk sour. And the milk was sour and she couldn't drink it. And she came up to the, the kitchen with me then to get a glass of water. And we looked up and there wasn't a light in the house. Nothing at all. That's weird. My, my uncle, some uh, couple of days after my granny's funeral, we had the wake in my granny's house. And my uncle lived in the house with my granda. And... Um, I'd say it was about a week after my nanny's funeral. My uncle Jimmy came in from the pub and 
I don't, he said this is true. He said he wasn't that drunk, but he probably was. But I believe him. But he went in to get uh, to get water or something in the kitchen, and everything. My granddad just turned the whole house. The whole house just goes into complete lockdown when my granddad goes to bed. He he locks all the doors, turns off all the lights, and um, he just leaves one light on, and that's just the landing light up at the uh, hall. I'll just fully walk up the stairs. So my uncle went into the, uh, the kitchen to get his glass of water or something and he said he could hear noises but he could hear my granda snoring so it wasn't him walking around. He could hear someone walking around upstairs and it was only my granda and him that lived in the house. So he was like, oh, he's probably just hearing things. So he was just about to walk upstairs until he seen something at the top of the stairs and he says, and he lives by it, that was my nanny's figure up at the top of the stairs. I know it's mad. It terrified me, I couldn't <clears throat> it is strange though, and you know things like that happen around the time when, when people do pass away, and sometimes you think, is it you? You know, is it your imagination? Because my granny wasn't long dead, like, and was me? Was I really dying to see her, like, or do you know what I mean? Was there something? <clears throat> but I remember as well, um, me and my friend went to school in Rafu, and we were walking back out to her house. She lived. Um, if you're driving from Rafu to Convoy. Do you know the, the road to Convoy, right? So you're driving, you drive past the college, it's on your right hand side, and you drive on out that road, and you go straight on to go to Convoy, but my friend's house was down to the left. So I don't know what that road's called, but it's down to the left. I think it might take you to, take you somewhere else. I don't know where it takes you to. But um, the road was down there, and we're walking down that road. She lived about maybe two miles out that road, and like that to us was just a wee short walk. Do you know what I mean? We didn't. We walked everywhere, like. <clears throat> so we're walking along the road and we're chatting away, and I was staying in her house that night. It was about maybe half nine, and we're walking walking along anyway, and you could hear, you know, just all the usual nighttime sounds. It was like quiet road. Not many cars on it, but you could hear the, car, the cars on the road above, you know, the convoy road. So you could hear loads of noise, isn't it? And we were uh, walking along anyway, and um, suddenly, just out of nowhere, there, everything stopped. We kept walking, but all the noises stopped. See? <laughs> <laughs> um, all the noises stopped, every noise, like, the sounds of the cars, the sounds of our footsteps, the sounds of like the, the, the night, you know, we animals. It was like just nothing, complete silence, which was so weird. Um, and I didn't say anything to her and she didn't say anything to me. And we just kept walking and we sort of got around the corner and then it was just like somebody switched, turned a switch and everything came back on again. We could hear the cars, we could hear the, the sounds, we could hear everything again. And we must have walked on for maybe another two or three minutes. And I said to her, did, did, some, did, was something, did something strange just happen? Did you, did you feel that? Did you hear what happened? And she said, aye, everything just stopped. And I said, aye. And she said, God, I wasn't going to say to you because it was so weird. But she, she felt the exact same thing. And neither of us said to each other until after it was over. But it wasn't like anything strange, but it was weird. Do you know what I mean? At the same time, like it was just like somebody had flicked a switch and all the noise stopped. We kept walking and then all the noise came back on again about two minutes later. 
It's like a wee twilight zone moment. Please join us next week, folks, for more spooky tales. Bye-bye for now, and I'll be sleeping here. Thank you.